arrived in America, white slavery was already there in the early days of the British colonies. Yes, in the 1600s, the British 13 colonies created a huge demand for labor. This was at a time when Britain was suffering from a large number of unemployed poor people living in the urban areas. Displaced from their land and not being able to find work in the cities, many of these people signed contracts of indenture and took a one-way boat trip to the Americas. Many of the evil and injustices have visited our history in the past hundreds of years and have been perpetrated on us by England, America, and most of Europe were on the wrong side of history, including the cruel and inhuman treatment of the American Indians. In most cases, the American government treated their mules and horses better than they treated the American Indians. Little is mentioned today about the white slaves being sent to America from England and the rest of Europe and about whom little is mentioned. Let me break it down for you. When the North American continent was first colonized by Europeans, the land was vast, the work was harsh, and there was a severe shortage of labor. Men and women were needed to work the land. White bond servants paid their passage to the ocean from Europe to indentured servitude labor. Between 1609 until the early 1800s, from a half to two-thirds of all the white colonists who came to the New World came as slaves who cleared the forest, drained the swamps, built the roads, sweated in the fields, and died in hellish factories. They worked and died in greater numbers than anyone else. Of all the passengers on the Mayflower, 12 were white slaves. Since they had no rights, Beauties of slaves applied to them whenever they fled their masters. Then in 1659, the English Parliament debated the practice of selling white slaves into slavery in the New World. In the debate, the whites were not referred to as indentured servants, but as slaves, whose enslavement was at the mercy of their rich masters. Dig that. <laughs> White slaves of Britain were considered as its unwanted surplus population, and thus 
was so easily expendable. In 1641, Massachusetts became the first colony to recognize slavery as a legal institution. Indentured contracts were alienable, the ownership of which could easily be transferred like that of any other commodity, as with slaves, ownership changed without their participation in discussion concerning that transfer. The European establishment coined the word indentured servitude. Webster's Dictionary says the meaning of servitude is a state of being a slave. If any slave resists his master's correcting such slave, and shall happen to be killed in such correction, the master shall be free of all punishment, as if such accident never happened. Virginia General Assembly Declaration 1705. Check that out. In the calendar of state papers, colonial series, American West Indies of 1701, a protest over the encouragement to the spiriting away of Englishmen without their consent and selling them for slaves, which have been a practice very frequent and known by the name of kidnapping. In the British West Indies, plantation slavery was instituted as early as 1627. In Barbados, by the 1640s, there were an estimated 25,000 slaves, of which 21,700 were white. White indentured servants were employed and treated, incidentally, exactly like slaves. England's next-door neighbor, Ireland, quickly became the biggest source of human livestock for English merchants. From 1641 to 1652, over half a million Irish were killed by the English, and another 300,000 were sold as slaves. The Irish population fell from 1.5 million to 600,000 within a decade. Irish fathers were not allowed to take their wives and children on their voyage across the Atlantic, ripping families apart. In 1650, over 100,000 Irish children between 10 and 14 of age were taken from their parents. These children were shipped to work for the English settlers in the West Indies, Virginia, and the rest of New England. In the same decade, 52,000 Irish women and children were sold to Barbados and Virginia. The list goes on and on. The legal form of contracted indentured servitude was just in reality a lifetime form of slavery. The center of the trade in child slaves was in the port cities of Britain and Scotland. Press gangs were hired by local merchants to roam the streets, seizing young boys by force for the slave trade. Children were driven in groups to the town and confined for shipment in bonds. What was outrageous was the fact that white children were openly seized in orphanages and workhouses and made to work in factories for up to 16 hours a day, locked in and without any breaks. Children who fell asleep during work were lashed awake by a whip. Children were also beaten. Thousands of children were mangled by factory machines that left them disfigured or disabled for life without any compensation. These working conditions and this kind of treatment continue to spread to the new world under British control.
were transported across the Atlantic on crosses that took nine to 12 weeks of travel. They were crammed below the deck of the ship and prone to experience outbreaks of contagious diseases, which often resulted in the loss of half of the human cargo. Also, before leaving the port of England, they were given food rations that were supposed to last for the entire journey. Because the amount of food issued was usually inadequate, many starved to death before reaching their destination. And if a person died halfway across the ocean, the surviving family members had to pay the fare of the deceased, including their own fare. Usually those travelers started their journey with sufficient funds to pay their way, only to be overcharged when they arrived, thereby causing them to owe more money and face a longer time serving their new masters. And as soon as they arrived at their destination, the whites were auctioned on the auction block with children, men, and women separated from each other. Sharp was appointed by the king in 1754 as a royal commander in chief of all British forces and commander of colonial forces for the protection of Virginia and the adjoining colonies. This information came from letters from American London in 1792. Governor Sharp of the Maryland colony prepared the property interest of the planters and their white slaves with the estate of an English farmer consisting of a multitude of cattle. This statement of the governor helps you understand the mindset of the rich and powerful in the early days of the British colonies. The Revolutionary War was an astounding occurrence in the world, still dominated by kings. It established the first important republic since Rome, in the middle of what at the time was a wilderness far from Europe. of George Washington, time is near at hand, which must determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves. The American Revolution began in April of 1775, when the initial battles in the Revolutionary War broke out. Few colonists wanted complete independence from Great Britain. Those who did not want it were considered to be radical. By the middle of 1776, though, many more colonists had come to think it was a good idea because of growing hostility against Britain and the spread of revolutionary concepts among the colonies. By the Treaty of Paris to end of the war in 1783, the colonies had won their independence. While no one event can be pointed to as the actual cause of the revolution, the war began as a disagreement over the way in which Great Britain treated the colonies versus the way the colonies felt they should be treated. The 
Americans felt they deserved all the rights of Englishmen. The British, on the other hand, felt that the colonies were created to be used in the way that best suited the crown and parliament. This conflict symbolized by one of the rallying cries of the American Revolution. No taxation without representation. No taxation without representation. No taxation without representation. It was a war that the British could have easily avoided had King George and his advisors been willing to show the least flexibility. Many in Britain objected to the war, and a minority of Americans wanted independence at the time. The war began. It was also a war that the American colonists won by the slimmest of margins against the most powerful country in the world. Many people of that day thought the world was turned upside down. But as I look at it now, it is my belief the world was turned right side up and would inspire oppressed peoples throughout the world to a new birth of freedom and justice and the American way of life. American history revealed. Although the early colonists had won the American Revolution, did the British still have control over the people of the colonies? Was the American Revolution a staged event? Were the colonists still slaves for the British? Was the basic message of the Declaration of Independence to have fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for the people being governed a pack of lies? History tells us that these rights did not apply to the Native Americans, whose land had been taken by force without any form of compensation. History also tells us our leaders made many treaties with the Indians and then broke every treaty time after time. America was being created under barbarism, and in the process, Native Americans were brutally massacred, men, women, and children. These injustices, to this day, have never been fixed. Many colonial American jurisdictions established debtors' prisons using the same models used in Great Britain. James Wilson, a signatory to the Declaration of Independence, spent some time in a debtors' prison while still serving as an Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Fellow signatory Robert Morris spent three years from 1798 to 1801 in the Walnut Street Debtors' Prison, Washington, D.C., often received visits from his good friend, George Washington. John Henry Lee, also known as Light Horse Harry Lee, was an early American patriot who served as the ninth governor of Virginia and as the Virginia representative to the United Congress. During the American Revolution, he also served as cavalry officer 
in the Continental Army and earned the nickname the Light Horse Harry. Lee was the father of Confederate General Robert E. Lee and was imprisoned for debt between 1808 and 1809. Debtors' prisons were prevalent throughout the United States up until the mid-1800s. Economic hardships following the War of 1812 with Great Britain helped swell prison populations with simple debtors. This resulted in significant attention being given to the plights of the poor and most dependent, jailed under the widespread practice, possibly for the first time. The Acomic Debtors Prison is a historic debtors prison in Acomic, Virginia, constructed in 1783 as a house for the Acomic County Jailer. It is the oldest public structure in the county. It was converted to use as a debtor's prison in 1824, which purpose it served until 1849. It is one of the only three debtor's prisons in the country on the National Register. Increasing disfavor over debtors' prisons along with the advent and early development of the United States bankruptcy laws led states to begin restricting imprisonment for most civil debts. At that time, growing use of the poorhouse and poor farm were also seen as institutional alternatives for debtors' prisons. The United States eliminated the imprisonment of debtors under federal law in 1833, leaving the practice of debtors' prisons to states. seems it is hard to break free from the long shadow of the debtors' prisons. While the United States no longer has brick-and-mortar debtor prisons, it has debtor prisons of private debts, however. A large portion of our nation is carrying a very, very heavy debt load, with payments coming due regularly each month, making it impossible for them to escape the biblical truth. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Mm -hmm.